When it comes to maximizing time in the uplands, without fail, Onyx Hunt is my most valuable tool. From planning my next hunt through a new bird cover to navigating in the field, Onyx Hunt is truly with me wherever I go. With detailed mapping and satellite imagery, along with a multitude of map layers from land access to forestry and habitat information and easy-to-use tools to mark, measure, and catalog important information, Onyx Hunt seamlessly integrates digital scouting with boots-on-the-ground time in the field. With offline mapping and Apple CarPlay integration, you are free to explore the wild landscapes our beloved upland birds inhabit. Planning your next move in the uplands begins with knowing where you stand, and for me, that starts and stops with Onyx Hunt. Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your Onyx Hunt subscription. When the miles rack up faster than your flush count, that's when you'll truly appreciate your hunting vest from Final Rise. Built for the uplands and proudly sewn in the USA, the complete lineup of hunting vests from Final Rise, from their all-new Summit XT down to the minimalist Sidekick system, are all built upon the foundational load-bearing waist belt and low-profile shoulder strap system, which allow you to carry all the gear you need and do so comfortably while maintaining your ability to move freely and perform when you need to most. With a complete lineup of accessories and newly released performance field apparel, Final Rise has the gear you need to help you get the most out of every mile and every flush. Final Rise gear is built for the uplands. Get yours today at FinalRise.com. Welcome to the Project Upland Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting. We plan to take you into some of our favorite bird covers as we talk to the people that hunt them and the organizations that support them. We'll also break down the dogs, guns, and gear used to pursue them, and of course, we'll share the stories that celebrate this American tradition. It's one of those things that you do that, that feels timeless. My dad brought home our first Brittany when I was about 10 years old. The Red Gods are calling, and I must go. These are your stories. The Project Upland podcast is brought to you in part by Pine Ridge Grouse Camp. Adventure awaits. And by Onyx Maps. Know where you stand. tuned in to the Project Upland Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Larson. Welcome back to the show for episode number 44. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Pine Ridge Grouse Camp, the best rough grouse and woodcock hunting experience located in northern Minnesota. Check out Pine Ridge Grouse Camp at pineridgegrousecamp.com. Adventure awaits you. And by Onyx Maps. Makers of the world's most comprehensive mapping application for people that love the outdoors. Download the Onyx Hunt app in the Google Play or Apple iTunes store today. Do not get caught in the field without Onyx Hunt. If you don't believe me, see for yourself. Download the app on your phone and start your seven-day free trial today. Know where you stand with Onyx Maps. And by Gumleaf USA. Makers of the finest, most premium, handcrafted, high-quality 
tall rubber boots. Gumleaf boots available at gumleafusa.com. I don't know about you all, but we just got nailed with five days straight of drizzly, wet, October mist. Drier conditions ahead, a lot of leaves on the ground. I think the best is definitely yet to come for the rough grouse and woodcock season in the Northwoods, but for the foreseeable future, it's going to be wet out there, and I'm not going anywhere without my gum leaf boots, nor should you. If you're looking for a waterproof, all-day comfort, high-quality boot, you got to go to gumleafusa.com. Check them out. Use the promo code PU2018 for free shipping from gumleafusa.com. And this week's winner... That's right, we're back at it with the podcast giveaway. This week's winner of the podcast giveaway is Isaac Neal. Thank you, buddy. Isaac left us a review on iTunes. We would appreciate if all of you would do the same, and you could be next week's winner of some Project Upland gear. All you have to do is any or all of these things. Leave us a rating in the podcast app that you're listening to. Click the stars, whatever it is, to leave us a rating. We appreciate that. Leave us a review subscribe to the podcast that really helps us out we love it when you subscribe share the podcast post if you see it on facebook or send us some feedback guest suggestions included you can reach me at nick.larson at northwoodscollective.com or use the contact form at projectupland.com we love to hear from you all right we're going to jump right into today's episode it went a little bit longer but i think you're going to really enjoy it It's official, the Project Upland podcast has hit one year, coming to listeners all across the country, all across the world. If you've been with us for the entire year, I thank you. If you just recently joined us, I thank you as well. I feel that this podcast has come a long way from day one, and we're going to keep getting better and better and better. All of our listeners that are still with us, and everybody else that joins us, thank you. Keep on listening, and keep on letting us know what you'd like to hear about on future episodes of the Project Helping Podcast. On this episode, I am joined by the founders of Project Upland and Northwoods Collective, AJ DeRosa and Chet Hervey. We have an excellent conversation. We recap our Montana hunting trip a little bit. We talk about a lot about what's going on at Project Upland and what is to come for the future of Project Upland, the magazine, films, podcasts, everything coming your way. We have some fun. We have some laughs. We tell some stories. I think you're going to enjoy it. And I will add one little bit of a warning. We typically keep the language pretty clean on the Project Upland podcast. This one is as well, but AJ gets a little bit spicy and a little bit colorful when he's very passionate, so it comes out in in many ways sometimes. There's a few words in here that if you've got little kids listening, you're not going to be happy, so I will warn you that there is some adult language in this one, probably a handful of times, so you've been warned. But with that said, we will jump into today's episode, and welcome to the Project Upland podcast of Project Upland, AJ DeRosa and Chad Hervey. Project Upland podcast. AJ, welcome back to the show. This is your second time. We got a new guest on the show. He's never been here before. 
Chet. Welcome to the Project Upland Podcast. Thanks, Nick. Great to be here. We are happy to have you on the show, and I'm excited because this is technically our one-year anniversary episode of the Project Upland Podcast, so we got some fun things in store for you, and the listener, and we're going to have some fun. But, Chet, I don't think that the listeners have a real good idea about maybe who you are, sort of the man behind the mask. So let's uh, let's unveil you, and I know you prefer invisibility, but let's unveil Chet. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your involvement with Project Upland and how you got yourself all tied up in this mess? Well, yeah, well, uh, I guess um, AJ told me I had to do this, otherwise I, you probably still would not know who I am, but uh, I'll take <laughs> those who I am. But, um, yeah, basically, two years ago or so, um, I met AJ through Instagram, and so we're like fully the millennial love story, you know? Um, so <laughs> basically, I, I posted a picture of a hunting dog, and pro- this account called Project Upland liked it, and I was like, that's a cool logo, kind of looked at the account, and, and uh, saw some really beautiful photography, and I said, well, shoot. And then, of course, the description was something like, a, you know, the epic um, photo bird hunting epic film series. I was like, film series? Now, in the background, I worked in film and television for um, for a number of years down down in L.A., I'm sorry, California, and uh, so obviously, like, film kind of piqued my interest, and so I went over and kind of watched some of the films. I was like, man, this is this is good stuff. It's uh, yeah, not, not your typical hunting stuff, and so um, so I reached out, and, uh, and AJ blew me off and said, you know, I don't have any money. I can't pay you anything, and, and uh, so... And, that, and, and from there, I really, really liked him. So I said, "All right, dude. Like, <laughs> I think that uh, I think that I could help, uh, you know, kind of build this and, and help you uh, monetize this and, and get it in front of more people and distribute it and all that fun stuff." So uh, we just kind of started that way, and uh, and it, it really kind of went well um, early on. And so about six months into that, we decided to formally go into business together um, as partners uh, with Northwoods Collective and. Uh, Yeah, definitely got bigger, that's for sure. 
Well, that is that other voice for the listeners is the voice of AJ Jarosa. We'll get to him in a second, but I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, and I don't want to slip away from the backstory of Chet first. Chet, you got to give us your you got to give us your upland hunting background. I didn't. I don't think I asked you that straight away, but typically we ask the guests on the show to give us that. So obviously, oh. there's some interest in upland hunting, and and that you know that led to this. But where'd you get your start in the uplands, buddy? Oh, well, shoot. So I grew up in California. I was born and raised. Um, either of my folks hunted or grandparents hunted or as far back as I know. And so I'm a tried and true first generation hunter. Um, I was grew up in Santa Cruz and in, in, in the surrounding areas. And so I um, grew up surfing and, and spearfishing and lobster diving and all that. And I uh, did that, uh, moved to L.A. and then kept doing that. And I got it you know, pretty heavily into fly fishing. And, uh, um, I'll, I'll try to make it quick, but basically I was oh, probably about 20, 24, 25 years old and I was married and, um, and there was a, a manhunt that was, that was going on. There's a like helicopter flying over my house with spotlights shining in my backyard and stuff. And, uh, and I told my wife at the time said, you know, I don't have a gun. You know I mean? I don't, I don't know what I would do if someone like was in my house. And so just kind of like literally, you know, as, as spur of the moment as you can with, uh, you know, in California anyway, um, I went down and bought a, uh, Mossberg 590 Defender, like full on black gun, heat shield, you know, <laughs> 21 inch barrel and, uh, you know, seven round capacity. And I was like, this should do it, you know? And then, uh, then I didn't shoot the gun for literally like two years. There's like, no, just like I had the shotgun it was under my bed with shells in it and it was like a literally like buckshot or something i didn't even really know so like that's how responsible of a gun owner i was initially but so then uh random set of circumstances i ended up in northern north north idaho up in the chimney and uh buddy came up to me one day and said hey you want to go hunting i was like yeah that sounds like fun you know i mean i, I was into fly fishing and outdoors and you know and everything else and so but i never got hunted i never hunted before and i said yeah he's like well do you have a gun i said yeah, I have a shotgun. He goes, great, you know, let's go, he's like, let's go shoot some pheasants. So I literally, like, did an online course, did the hunter safety thing, like, over the course of, like, three or four days. And uh, the next week, I went out hunting, and I showed up with my black Mossberg 590 Defender with, with buckshot <laughs> shells. And uh, to my, who became my mentor, um, to his credit, he didn't laugh at me right away when I, when I showed up with this gun. He just kind of looked at it, and I had a blade. You know, freshly, freshly orange, uh, blaze orange vest. And, and, uh, he was like, all right, well, that'll do it. You got your license? And I was, you sure do. And, uh, and we went out and actually shot a pheasant on the wing, uh, the first day with that gun. And it kind of occurred to me, well, my first thought was like, this is probably the coolest thing I've ever done. And then the second thing that occurred to me is I need a new gun. <laughs> so, uh, so I went, so I went and, uh, and actually went and bought an over under at Walmart the next day and uh and that's kind of the rest of history so uh but then i mean fast forward to today now i have you know i have my own bird dog she's a uh, brock Dubernay, and uh you see her kind of crop up on the project up on instagram once in a while because i like her and uh yeah she's uh, 18 month old uh and so she's in her first real full season and actually what two weeks ago aj shot a quail over one of her points so pretty stoked on that and uh yeah we're i'm all in well that is r3 i think at its finest that's uh that's another (laughs) 
awesome example of the endless amount of ways somebody could wind up in upland hunting. That's pretty damn cool. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I got to hand it to, the, to my, I mean, the, the guy that took me hunting. He was 72 years old, just like randomly approached me. Uh, it was actually my buddy's father-in-law. And, uh, I mean, he just fully embraced me where I was, like, with my with my, <laughs> my Mossberg and, and my buckshot. And he was like, okay, like, that'll take a bird down. Let's do this thing. And so, um, yeah, and then it's just really been funny because, you know, Project Upland has, um, has inspired me to go and get my own dog and all that kind of thing. Like, and sorry, she's 18 months old. my first, you know, formal bird dog. Um, so, I mean, it's just I couldn't speak more highly of, like, him taking that initiative and just saying, hey, you know, you want to go hunting. Like, I could have said no, but he just, you know, and I've got the more I've got to know the guy, it's like, he'll take anybody hunting. <laughs> He's like, I just want someone to go with. This is, this is just too fun to do by myself. So it's pretty rad. Yeah, that is awesome. And I got to say the Brock de Bourbonnet, I knew that you had one, obviously, and I was looking forward to seeing the dog. And I got a chance to do that when we were out in Montana a couple of weeks ago. We, I don't think on that trip, I got to see her point a bird. I was really excited because I, when she was on the ground, I was, I was, I was really wanted to see, see it happen. Cause I knew she was a young dog and I mean, she's small. How much does she weigh Chet? Uh, she's about 30, 35 pounds, uh, 30 to 40 pounds, 35 to 40 pounds, just depending on where in the season we are and that kind of thing. Yeah. 35 to 40 pounds. I mean, it's, she's a really neat little dog. And I mean, you, you pretty much let her out and she's pretty much shot out of a cannon. I mean, that dog covers ground and she covers it with, I feel like she covers it with a lot of pace. I mean, she's just always going, but like, she's got a really nice pace. And I mean, that thing, she ran all damn day. Oh, yeah, no, she put in, I think, 20 miles, and I was just, and that was her biggest run in her life at that point. But, you know, Montana, that was such huge country. And I mean, while she didn't point anything, I guarantee you she probably ran past a bunch of Sharpies or something. You know? Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> just, you know, she's a, she's a pup. Uh, but she, you know, we train on quail and pheasants and those kind of things. So I think that she's a little more accustomed to, like, okay, this is what I'm after. And so, um so that may have been that may have been part of the new experience, but it's it's fun just to just watch her develop and and uh, yeah, I just it's just a really awesome journey to to see that happen. So yeah, yeah, that's very cool. Now there was a, there was definitely a, a, a lot of first for my dog out there too. That was brand new country, brand new birds. It's uh, that's it's a learning curve, absolutely. Yeah, well, well, I mean, Hartley crushed it. I mean, it was like like he was all over the sharp tail the first day. I mean, he was just like, I think he stuck every single point. So, yeah, <laughs> but he's a little bit older, so we'll <laughs> expect that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's, uh, that's, that's one of the reasons why we do it. We love to watch the dogs, that's for sure. But appreciate that background, Chet. We're happy to have you here. But as the listeners picked up on, we do have another guest here. They have heard him before. He was on episode number one of the Project Upland podcast. We decided to bring him back because he's kind of an important guy in this whole thing. But AJ... The listeners, they may or may not know you. Why don't you fill in the other half of where Chef Chet left off and sort of describe what you do for Project Upland before we sort of dive into the real fun stuff? Oh, man. I mean, first of all, let me say thank you for carrying this podcast for the first year and making it what it's become. Um, me and Chet frequently joke that more often than not, we're complimented on the podcast rather than anything else. So. <laughs> Um, so no, thank you for that, <laughs> for doing a phenomenal job. 
Um, yeah, so I am the creative director of Project Upland, or, or rather Northwoods Collective, which um, also um, homes some other fine brands. But um, in Project Upland, I'm pretty much the one that kind of decides what's the next big crazy thing that we're going to do. Not that, you know, not that all the ideas are mine. I mean, we have a lot of ideas that are brought to us. Uh, we have a lot of people inside our camp that come up with ideas, um, and I just kind of filter through them and I guess kind of curate. Um, what the vision of Project Upland becomes kind of over the long term. Um, so, um, and we've really tried to diversify lately. So, um, obviously being a grouse and woodcock hunter like yourself, Nick, and, uh, growing up in the Northwoods, it's, um, pretty easy to get stuck in that world. Yep. Um, but this year we've made a, a strong effort to, um, expand and kind of show elsewhere. Hence why we all converged on Montana together. Um, where I believe both you and I shot our first sage grass, right? That is correct. Yeah, that was uh, one. That was my first shot tail, my first sage grass, and my first California quail, <laughs> which was pretty incredible. But and your gun and, shot and, straight. Yeah, and he shot and he shot that quail with my son's twenty gauge break action hammer gun. So it was literally like I mean, it was comical. It so was. He did get cubby. He did get cubby panic the first time the, that he actually saw a full covey of quail go up and just kind of bloop, fired blindly. You know, he only had one shot, so I was like, "This <laughs> is the way it goes." <laughs> I was just, I was so stoked when it went down, though. I was like, "All right, now I get it." It was like the first couple birds we saw were like just like two lone quail and there are a couple like songbirds and I, I won't lie, I was a bit confused. I was like, "Well, I'm not shooting because I don't know what's going on here," and. Um, <laughs> We got a little further in, and then all of a sudden, I mean, like, 25, 30 birds busted at once, and I was just like, holy shit, that's a quail. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> it was all downhill from there. I think that's kind of how the sage grouse thing went down, too, although I, I got a little aggressive. I got me and uh, one of the Britneys that Brandon Moss, um, which I believe you guys are, just heard in the, the last episode. Yep. Um, Man, his, his female, who had just had babies, I believe, oh, she had pups, I want to say about a month before, or two months before. Something like that, and, yeah. Yeah, and um, I tell you, man, it was windy. The birds were, you know, breaking out far, and me and Chad had till noon to try to get it done, and she kept repositioning on these group of uh, sage grouse that we saw, and finally I was like, you know what, I'm going to run up and get ahead of her. And I stayed about 20 yards in front of her, and we were pretty much working parallel to each other, and she kept pointing, 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 and then finally, boom, she hit it, and a bomber got up. And uh, I, I mean, I was so consumed by the moment, um, but uh, allegedly to Chet off in the distance that I hit it with both rounds. <laughs> but but I, I, do, I know I do have a little bit of a reputation of double-tapping birds. I get a little excited, so that's because that's I'm... I'm used to shooting in thick cover. I'm used to the bunker buster round and then the kill round. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, cool experience. Absolutely. But, yeah, so that's what I do. I um, I was shooting the film for that one. Uh, Chet was actually working with me on that film. Um, so I, I, still, I still shoot films. I still do some writing. Um, but a big thing I'm doing now is mentoring um, other filmmakers, which um, – there's ever been a moment that I want to make an active shout out on um, hiring is that we are proactively trying to hire new filmmakers 
um, not just for Project Upland, but also for Morning Thunder, um, our other brand, Endless Migration, that will be coming out soon. And we have a fly fishing brand coming out after the first of the year as well. So um, we are proactively recruiting people. Please reach out to us. Uh, reach out to Nick, reach out to me, reach out to chat, reach out to somebody, uh, inbox us, say, hey, I can make films, or, or I'm, I'm getting good at making films, and I just need a little more help to get there, um, and uh, maybe we can make something work. Yeah, absolutely. You heard it here first. What do you, uh, best way best way for them to get at us? Project Upland contact form, Northwoods Collective. Is there a contact form on Northwoods Collective? Yeah, I would say go through Project Upland, you know, just go through the Project Upland or do info at northwoodscollective.com. Yeah. Uh, people can email you too. Yeah. Um, yep. Just uh, make yourself heard through it. I mean, we don't even mind an Instagram message or whatnot. Um, we try to do our best to be responsive, but, um, you know, uh, there's all different ways. And, and the other thing that we don't shy away from is, you know, maybe you love making films and you're good at it and you're new to bird hunting or maybe you don't bird hunt at all. Um, but you're still interested in this stuff and, um, that's okay. Um, you don't have to be some kind of hardcore bird hunter to be a filmmaker for us. Um, you know, the artistic talent, the ability to story tell, that's the first and fundamental, um, kind of skill we look for. I wouldn't even call it a skill. We're, we're looking for artists, you know? So, um, that artistic ability initially is the most important thing and, and we can really teach you the rest. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's kind of the, a cool thing to highlight is that while most of, of our audience just naturally is going to be bird hunters, but I think a, a, a good perspective is gained by somebody that maybe isn't a dyed in the wool upland bird hunter, but they are a talented filmmaker or an aspiring filmmaker and they bring a different perspective. I think that's where some of the best films come from. For sure. I agree. I mean, my, uh, my personal favorite films are all not made by me. And, um, most recently Revel on the first, which I think was a phenomenal film was made by, uh, Will, um, who is actively shooting a bunch of films for us right now. And, um, I mean, I absolutely loved Revel in the first. He did a phenomenal job with it. Um, I was pretty, pretty proud of how he pulled that together. So, um, he's got a, but, yeah, but, but he, he, and he's, uh, yeah, to your point, he's by no means a hardcore bird hunter. No, uh, no, I, I believe he, he has yet to shoot a bird, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think you have shot an actual live bird on the wing. Well, um, but if there's anything no, to do with uh, project up there, it's that, right? Yeah, right. No, no, he's, AJ and I always say, listen, Will's going to have a bird dog like by 2020, guaranteed. Like, it's just funny. That's generous. I was going to say 2019. Well, yeah, that's why I'm the conservative one and you're not. I give it more more time. You're going to see a charge in the Northwoods Collective card tonight, and it's going to be a dog for Will. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right, right. All right, guys. Well, I want to address one thing that I think you guys get asked a lot and even I, it gets brought up to me. So maybe uh, we can take advantage of our audience a little bit and sort of add some clarity. And that would be the separation or at least distinction of Northwoods Collective and Project Upland. And I guess I won't even go any further. Chet, why don't you just describe the relationship of Northwoods Collective and then sort of the brands that sit underneath that umbrella yeah yeah um basically you know notice collective um is is effectively a, a digital marketing creative agency where 
Um, you know, we get we get hired um, by different brands to uh, tell brand stories, whether it's you know narrative films or commercials or helping them with their social media strategies or whatever it happens to be. And and uh, I would say that's about uh, you know. Uh, 70 to 75 percent of our business and our revenue um and then um you know the other the other chunk belongs to our brands like project upland which is the biggest one of them um but we also so we own and operate so to speak project upland um morning thunder which is a turkey hunting platform um and then as aj mentioned um um endless migration which is a waterfowl uh platform that we're going to be launching pretty soon here and a fly fishing platform that we have not yet named. And, uh, and then we're also in the, in the process of revitalizing urban deer complex. And so those are all our, I like to call them our Petri dishes where we're, where we're, you know, building audiences and, and servicing audiences. And, and, uh, and again, these are the things that we are personally passionate about. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. So, you know, it's one thing to make a project upland film and those are, you know, I mean, they feel like passion projects more often than not uh, versus something that we're paid to do. So, um, so yeah, so Northwoods is kind of the overarching um, agency, and each of these are, are, are different channels underneath it that we, uh, that we do. And so, obviously, Project Epplin is also the furthest along, and yeah, the magazine is coming out now in, shoot, I mean, less than a month now. Um, so, yeah, we're just we're, we're loving to see them grow. And, uh, and kind of have lives of their own as well. And, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the distinction. Awesome. Chet, you must have my outline there in front of you because you just nailed our next bullet point. I'm sending it to you, AJ. Let's talk about it. Pretty big announcement a couple of weeks ago for Project Upland as a brand and a, you know, a, a lifestyle, really. We got a magazine coming out, and issue zero is right around the corner inform the listeners yeah um so we've been playing the magazine for some time um me and chet um talked about it i was really adamant about um again finding identity to monetize our brand has been a big thing finding an identity as a brand altogether is a big thing because you know everybody kind of starts as a magazine so in a way we reverse engineered it um but in actuality i would kind of argue that one should start with a digital platform and then grow up to a magazine, (laughs) Um, which is kind of the way that it came about. And um, originally it was going to be, I guess, a little less formal than it's become. It was going to be, as me and Chet referred to it, um, from our skateboarding and surfing days of uh, zines. Um, So um, when we were kind of planning and scouting the situation, um, we had ended up getting linked up uh, with John from Covey Rise, um, the owner and publisher of Covey Rise. And um, first in time, we spent a lot of time courting each other and whatnot. And uh, eventually we ended up working on a collaboration on it, which um, for everybody's sake will um, result in timely delivery and um, <laughs> all sorts of other professional things that, um, you know, we're, you know, being a, a startup, we're not necessarily not that we're incapable of it. We just don't have the resources to pull it off. And because of this, um, we have the resources to pull off a, a, a much more professional and well thought out, um, magazine. And, um, we ended up with Matt Soberg as the editor, which is, um, been something a long time in the making. Um, 
I was, it was kind of like a, I was kind of like a kid going to Chet saying, dad, dad, this is, this is the, this is the only one that will work, you know, <laughs> only this editor. And it was a kind of long and complicated process, but Matt Silberg is now the, um, editor of Project Upland Magazine, which I'm very excited about. Um, I actually read every article of issue zero today, um, in the proofing stage. Um, I know they still got some tweaks that they're doing on their end between the art department and the editors and whatnot, but, um, it's really good. Um, and strangely enough, being a, a Northwoods guy, um, the pheasant article that Matt Silberg wrote in it is actually my favorite article. <laughs> I, I have nothing against pheasant. I just, I've never hunted a wild pheasant. You know, it's not a thing up in New England. Um, and, but it's just, it was really good. It is really good. And the photography is incredible. Um, it's just a, a phenomenal story. But we got other, some other cool people in the mix. We got Jay Dowd. Um, which I don't think anything would be complete in the modernization of upland hunting without an artist like Jay. Um, Nick, you got a piece in there. Chet's got an article in there. Um, I, I didn't, I have a photo essay in there and, uh, kind of a, uh, forward type thing. Uh, nothing too intense because writing isn't necessarily my strong suit. Um, yeah, we get all sorts of the people, Lily Milner, um, we get Jennifer who's been writing some great novice content. Um, trying to think we got Chrissy Mason, um, who wrote this phenomenal, phenomenal article about, uh, Willow Ptarmigan up in Alaska, um, and about kind of the history of, uh, uh, Native Americans up there and their relationship with the bird. Um, just some, some really diverse stuff in this first issue or issue zero, as we refer to it is supposed to be kind of a widespread of what to come to expect in the magazine. Um, it is quarterly. So spring and summer, you're going to see dogs and shooting and fall and winter. You're going to see a lot of hunting. Um, and this issue zero kind of has a, a widespread of all of it, including, um, a piece from Greg Elliott, who's, um, one of my most favorite writers, um, and only lives about an hour for me, which is pretty cool. And, uh, he is, wrote an article about getting into um, collecting double guns, and it's going to be a whole series that um, this first article is kind of a general overlook on what it is to get into kind of American double guns, um, and then it's going to expand from there into specific brands, um, foreign guns, and all sorts of fun stuff. So um, it's going to be exciting. And um, just like filmmakers, we encourage everybody to reach out. Um and, um, you know, if you want to write, if you take photography, uh, please submit, uh, we want to hear from you. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's all about the whole community. We don't want to make it just about one, one group of writers or anything like that. We want to make it a diverse spread of our, our whole culture. So I can't wait to read issue zero. I'm pumped about it. And you did hit on it very well. Sort of the thing that I wanted to get into next. And that is that, in the early days, Project Upland was very Northwoods, rough grouse, and woodcock heavy, and that was really fueled, I think, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that was fueled by the relationship with the Rough Grouse Society, and you know, it was how it was how Project Upland got off the ground. But obviously the aspirations are 
much, much higher. Uh, and we look to grow and develop this thing. And I've tried to do it with the podcast. You know, I, I've, I've talked a lot about rough grouse and woodcock hunting because that is sort of my strong suit. But as I get out and have more experiences and get to connect with, with people that hunt sage grouse, people that hunt quail, people that, that hunt chucker. I mean, it's, it's really, uh, it's, we're expanding, I think, you know, every day, every week. And that is obviously one of the goals with the magazine, which you talked about AJ. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I feel like, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. I feel like our first bit, you know, big push with the rough grouse Society, which is how you and I met, um, you know, it's definitely influenced what project upland was. Of course, and I, I lived in grouse and woodcock country. Um, that's the only bird I had access to, um, you know, so there's a lot of the logistics that were involved in it, you know, I mean, Project Upland was a self-funded, <laughs> a crazy <laughs> concept that got out of control. And uh, so it took a while for us to be able to expand and, and make it possible to be in other places, too, you know. So um, and, and I feel like, you know, what we did in the beginning was inspired people to want to come and, and hunt grouse and woodcock. And then ironically, I think for people like you and I who worked inside the brand, um, it inspired us to want to go and hunt other birds. <laughs> so, yeah. so now, um, you know, I just, I, I'm getting to hunt Bob White in November for my first time. I've never even seen a Bob White. I, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, and, and I feel like that excitement and, and I hope, I hope I'm right. Um, that I feel like that excitement's throughout the whole community lately that we're all really, um, kind of really motivated to, to bring the community closer and, and get out there and swap experiences with people and uh, reach out to people and, and kind of share what we all, you know, what we all have in common, but yet is just so diversely different. Yeah. And I, and I, and I would tack onto that, that, I mean, we have, we have, um, you know, that shark tail and sage grouse film that we did in Montana. We're actually, usually we, we, you know, publish them a year after we shoot them, but um, that one's coming out, you know, in the next month and a half here. And then we have a, we have a pheasant film, um, that's a Eastern Washington wild pheasant film that we're releasing here. They're our first wild pheasant film that we're ever putting out. Um, and we have a Missouri Bob White film that's coming out. I mean, so, so these are things that, that, uh, and this is the conversation that I had with AJ, you know, I said, well, listen, buddy, we got to get out to, we got to start doing some other birds, you know, we got to get to some other regions. And so, I mean, gosh, our, our, um, our fall this fall is, is even crazier. You know, we're going to be in Arizona for a four species quail hunt. Uh, we're going to be in Nebraska. We're being in Kansas. We're going to be in Texas. I mean, goodness. So you, you, uh, you name it, we're going to be there. We're covering every species under the sun. So, um, yeah, miss, I think that that's the craziest one. Oh yeah. What am I even talking about? Yeah. We, um, we, you know, obviously if you follow the, the Instagram, you saw teasers of us, you know, going to the Ruby Mountains in Nevada and shooting a, uh, a film about the Himalayan snowcock, um, which is what we're, we're calling it the poor man's doll sheep. Um, is what we're <laughs> so, so, um, I mean, it's just absolutely insane. And actually talking about, um, the same, uh, guy, Will, that worked on the Revel in the first film, he actually went out and just got back and, and they actually, you know, to our knowledge, it's the very first ever um, uh, Stokok shot on film, like first one to ever capture that. So we're pretty fired up about that. And that drops um, at the very end of October. So you could be looking forward to, we have a teaser um, coming out pretty, pretty darn soon here about that one too. So people are going to get a first look at the footage 
which I gotta say is just absolutely unreal. I mean, you just, I, I may no one have, I may have leaked the trailer to Nick. Yeah, I saw it. Oh, you leaked it to Nugget. So, Nick, <laughs> so, so come on, Nick. Like, uh, it looks like the, number one, it looks like they're hunting on the moon, which is just unreal. You know, <laughs> and it's just it's like people just can't even. I mean, I can't even wrap my head around it. Yeah, and, I, and I've seen it, you know, two dozen times. <laughs> but uh, but we're pretty fired up about that too. So um, anyhow. Yeah, I I got I got to go ahead, Jed. Yeah, so yeah, diversity of content, diversity of experiences, regions, species. Like I think that that's that's obviously important to all of us in the community and saying you know I, I want to see me represented out there and what I do and and you know my landscape and that kind of stuff. So I think that that's that's uh, that's a driving force of you know that I, that I know pushes AJ as he's as he's you know determining like you know whatever the next the next lineup or slate of films is going to be so um you know we, when we try to make sure we accurately represent everybody you know in that yeah yeah and we're not trying to be necessarily outlandish i mean obviously the snowcock is as obscure <laughs> as it comes I, I would be a liar if i didn't say when the film was pitched to me my first question was what the fuck is a himalayan snowcock because <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that that's the truth you know um but yeah we're trying to show you know a wide diversity of kind of everybody and where they are and and even in different walks of life not necessarily different species you know everywhere from you know the guy that or or woman that just has you know passed me down gear that you know ends up like me shooting a california quail with a hammered single shot youth model all the way to you know the more refined traditions um you know of the upland world um we just try to make it um accessible kind of all around because you know what no matter where we are and what walks of life we do have a general curiosity across the board um and an interest and we want to celebrate all aspects of that um and it's very important to our brand is that you know we want it to be all-encompassing and i don't expect all you know, 12 films that we produce in a year to, you know, appear, appeal to every person. You know, there's just, there's no way we could do that. But what we hope is just one of those films, I just need one of those films to resonate with an individual, um, to make them feel, to um, invoke some emotion, some personal relationship with that story that they can relate to. Um, and that's what we're trying to do. So, you know, I get it. I get some films that we make that, you know, if you're used to setters and double guns in the Northwoods and um, whatnot, and, you know, you and I, Nick, were just joking earlier today about how we might spend too much time on double guns, you know. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not intentional. We're just, <laughs> you know, but um, sometimes you need that correction and say, hey, listen, like, I mean, for instance, we're shooting a film with uh, Fritz Heller. Um, actually Adam Regeer from Modern Wild is going to be shooting it. Um, and if anybody didn't catch his, um, latest story, uh, latest film rather to tell a story, um, was phenomenally done. Yep. I mean, he's just a phenomenal, he's an artist. He really is. Um, so he's making a film with Fritz and I mean, Fritz uses flushing ducks for grouse and semi-automatic shotguns and it's pure chaos and it's a beautiful art at the end of the day. So, so we are trying to show, um, you know, kind of everything. You know, and, that, and that's important because we all have a place. You know, you kind of went there, AJ, but I will open up a little bit and say that, you know, one of the things that we were joking around about a little bit and we sort of wrote down in our notes is that 
you know, we don't expect everybody to like everything we do. And the flip side of that is I see a lot of, I get comments and reviews on the podcast and say, you know, even though that you talk about grouse and woodcock all the time, I still enjoy it because I love upland hunting and it opens, it opens up my mind and experiences a little bit, but I will open up and admit that when the Himalayan snowcock stuff was going on, I was like, I didn't, it was just so far removed from anything that I'd ever experienced, touched, tasted. Like I didn't know how to feel about it. And I was even joking to Garrett. Like I didn't know if I was supposed to have like, I was, I felt like I was having Himalayan snowcock FOMO. Like when all the pictures, <laughs> all the pictures were coming out on the Instagram feed and I, I did not know how to react to it. And, uh, I, I had faith that it, uh, that it would turn out into to an awesome film. And you sent me the teaser and I, like Chet said, I mean, some of the shots in that film, I mean, obviously Will does a fantastic job, but it was, it drew me in instantly and it was just, it was captivating. So I hope that people, even if the topic of conversation or the topic subject of the film isn't in their wheelhouse, give it a chance. You don't have to listen to the whole thing. You don't have to watch the whole thing. You don't have to like the whole thing, but at least get behind the Upland community and, and be happy that, you know, people are investing in this because it's, it's, it's better for all of us. Yeah. And on that note, I mean, you listen, you know, no matter what you hunt, no matter where you hunt or, or what gun you carry or whatever, you know, you're going to hear these guys and these subjects in these films saying the things that you think, you know, like feeling the way that you feel about it. And so I think that, you know, even though you may never end up in the Ruby mountains of up to 10,000 feet chasing this elusive bird, right. But uh, you know what, um, you know, the, what drives those guys to go do that is the same thing that drives you into the Northwoods or drives, you know, the Arizona quail hunter, you know, out into the desert or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yep. like there's, there's, a, it's the same driving passion. And I think that we can recognize that whenever we're, I mean, that's what we do. I mean, we, I mean, we sit around, <laughs> sit around a table with, with some, with some whiskey and, and swap bird stories. And like, we can keep going or dog stories or whatever. And we're going to have those, those shared experiences and and those overlaps no matter where we end up and where we're from so it's always just so exciting to see all that kind of converge um and i think that like the snow cocktail is a perfect example of that it's like so far out of anyone's experience and yet we're all seeing ourselves in that film for sure yeah definitely should we uh should we address controversy Loves controversy. He's like, oh, come on, I don't. I don't laugh anytime controversy happens because I just because I'm so emotionally invested in the brand sometimes that I can't say the first thing that's going to come out of my mouth. <laughs> well, he, just, he, he takes a lap. He takes a lap and then he calls me and like tells me this is what I'm thinking. <laughs> so, so, and then and you I tell him to lap. basically put that down the take, phone. Take Take another lap, and then we'll keep, and we'll keep talking. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you can hit controversy. I'm I'm mentally prepared for it. Well, we'll do it because it's <laughs> it's kind of funny, but we will we will bring it up because we we talked about it. And uh, oh, I know, I know what we're talking about. Yeah, now. this was actually surprisingly entertaining when you first brought it up to me. Yeah, yep. And so this this will be directed at Chet because he is the man that can put an end i think probably can't you know if somebody's into controversy you probably really can't sway them but as far as uh as far as everybody else is concerned chet you were there you saw it happen i was there talk about i was holding the i was i was holding the camera he was holding the camera okay so you can set the stage for us but 
for people that are unaware of the controversy, said controversy is during the filming of Revel in the First, Chucker hunting film with Anthony Farrell, the Chucker people have analyzed the footage. They have spent hours upon hours analyzing the footage, and they... I'm humbled by that. They, by the way. <laughs> I don't know that. I made that up. I don't know that it was hours upon hours, but maybe they watched. Maybe they watched it once or twice. But people said, and and I'm not here to say one way or the other because I wasn't there, but Chet was. People believe that the chucker may have been planted. Dun dun dun. Chet, take it away. You do need a sound effects board. So yeah, you, you guys, you need to hook me up with a soundboard. That's right. That's right. So so. Okay, so let me let me just take a little bit this way, right? So, you know, there was a we were on a long, long hunt. I mean, we were putting in ridiculous miles, and anybody that's hunted in Hell Canyon, they know how beyond grueling it can be. Um, and uh, and I kid you not, so we had we had not got a we had not got a wild chucker. Uh, I'm the wild chucker. We didn't got any chucker. <laughs> um, and it was literally the it was the last day, and we were walking. We were we were packing it in, like literally, like okay, let's get back. You know, I you know I had to leave. Um, Will was leaving, and uh, and Will had split off with the other guy that we were hunting with, and I just that kind of like literally ran after Anthony because he was kind of down in this in this little gully, and I was like, hey buddy, I want a gully. You know, it's, it's a canyon, so there's no gullies. But, <laughs> um, um, so. So I kind of hustled down. This is like ankle breaking. And I've been putting in freaking 15 miles a day type thing. Like, you know, ridiculous. So anyhow, so I'm like fully winded and we're a hundred yards from where we had parked the trucks. And we were literally going back to the trucks, like, Hey dude, like, you know, sometimes birds just don't, don't die on film. Like that's just the way it is. And, uh, and like, you know, Anthony was super bummed out about it. And then, um, and then of course, like his dog goes on point. And I mean, we had, it was grueling conditions, like, like not a, not a ounce of wind, like it was super dry. So like the dogs weren't, were working and, and he had some phenomenal dogs, but they just like, nothing was working right. And so the dog goes on point and I, I have the camera in my hands and I hit record and this entire covey of chuckers goes up, you know, I mean, 20 birds just, and, and Anthony drops one of them, but I'm literally like swinging the camera and I missed the shot. And so this bird drops in this riverbed, and this dog goes and retrieves it, and brings it back, and, and like Nancy, he's just like, "Oh, that was amazing! That was amazing!" And uh, and so we're like, you know, doing the kind of after the the retrieve and all that celebration, and I'm filming the whole thing, and uh, and, and he goes, "Hey, did you get that?" I go, "Oh, give me a second. So I stop recording, and I, you know, do my playback, and I'm watching it, and I realize like it's like literally just off frame from like where the bird went down. And I was like, you got to be kidding me, you know, like, you know, like we're a hundred yards from the trucks, you know? And so, and I'm kind of like, dude, I'm sorry. I, I didn't get that. And I was like, well, you know, I got this epic retrieve. So I'm like, you know, I mean, this will be okay, you know? And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden his Garmin beeps. And I was like, what? And so I look over and I kid you not, 20 yards to our right, his dog's radar is back on point again. And I was like, I mean, again, this was probably, you know, 40 yards between where the cubby went up to where he's on point now. And so I just flipped the camera back on, and he literally runs up behind the dog. And and I, you know, I don't know where the bird's going to flush from because there was no breeze. I could, couldn't anticipate where it was going to go. And the bird went up, and it was literally like I was swinging, I was swinging the camera, and I got it center framed as he shot the bird and it went down. Like, 
there is zero chance that 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 was planted. Now I don't know if that was from the first covey and that's where it actually landed after it went up, but um, but that was 100% a wild bird, and I would not have hiked around Hell Canyon with with birds in my bag beforehand. <laughs> There's just no way. There's an, I'm not a small man. There's enough of me going up and down the mountain. I don't need another two pounds of bird on me, that's for sure. <laughs> All right. I, I think I need to give the more candid assessment of the situation. <laughs> you're not, now you're going to insult my filmmaking. I am okay. going to. It's, I'm sorry. I just, it's, I apologize. You know it's coming. <laughs> but, like, so when you told me this, Nick, you know, I, you know, we were sitting around a campfire on Montana and, and, and I think you didn't expect me to laugh about it. And I remember my first candid response was, dude, if that plant bird was planted, that shot would have been way more fucking epic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what you said. You know, I, I, I actually, I specifically referenced when we talked about this, the film uh, Bird Dog Trainer for a Day that we did with uh, Dave Train, the national president of NAVDA. And um, there's a shot in there where, I have the dog and the dog's taking up most of the frame and Dave's on the other side and the bird flushes and it flushes just out of frame and then flush and it comes right back into frame as Dave hits it. I mean, it's, it's, it's like for a, a bird hunting filmmaker, I couldn't have, um, I couldn't have asked for anything better to compose a better shot. That's a planted chucker. <laughs> you know that's a dog training film that's a planted chucker there's no question about that if we planted a chucker in hell's canyon that's what it would have looked like and on top of that i don't know where people get off um even dissecting that because project upland um you know this is the first rule i tell all filmmakers is that um the story is not incidental to the kill the kill is incidental to the story um, and we have actually made a number of films, including films that have won awards that no birds die in. Um, we're not the outdoor channel. I'm not obligated to show a kill reel or anything else. We're there to capture a story. The first film of Project Upland Searching, which is a film about me. It's a film about me escaping city life and everything else. Not a single bird dies in that entire film. And people loved it. Um, we're, we're not beholden to have to kill a burl on film. And I'm certainly in no way worried about anybody's ego that requires them to have a bird killed on film. Um, and if that was a problem, they just wouldn't have a film with us. Um, it's that simple. Um, yeah. it, so, so for me, it's just kind of entertaining. And it's like, like, we don't need that. Like, again, I'm not like our brand is not reliant on it. There was still a story there. The irony of the first cut of Revel in the First didn't even have that bird kill in it. And that's because it was out of focus. Yeah. And so Will, was was like, this is, Will was like, this is garbage. I'm sorry to say that, but that was Will's He didn't opinion. say garbage. He didn't say garbage. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Tell me some he, just, he just politely didn't use any of your footage. Is what happened. <laughs> or no, he used some of your footage. I shouldn't say any he of your He politely oh, didn't footage. use that footage. <laughs> yeah. And, and then I had to go back and say to him, hey, you've got to put Jets kill in there. Um, you know, cause like it would be nice to, to show some context if we can, um, you know, so, um, that's the irony is the original cut didn't even have it in it, but you know, whatever it is, what it is. It was a soft focus. Um, it's the way it happened. And I didn't think that that bird kill had anything to do with the story other than, I mean, Anthony got dragged through the fucking coals. That's what that story's about. <laughs> that, bird did, that bird was not, you know, 
like I think Anthony is 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 very passionate, driven, talented at what he does. Um, I think he's determined, which I think is an incredible thing. But I mean, he got handed a big slice of humble pie out there, and that's that story's about. Um, and it didn't take a bird to steal that story. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So that. But it was, but it, but it was literally a hundred yards from like packing it in for the for a five day trip. Like it was literally like, okay, that's the way it goes down. We had that in Montana. That was yeah. our mo while we were in Montana. So the mo in Montana was we had to shoot a bird within fifty yards of the truck on the way out, and then we walk around for two hours with nothing. Yep. Yes. Yes. That was that was, that was the Montana mo. Yeah. Yeah, that was the first couple <laughs> of days for sure. The whole well, we uh, moved the trucks and we would have killed more birds. There would have been no problem. Yep. And well, that, that, dude, uh, the first covey of sharp tails that got up, I mean, it was like a firing squad. You know, it was like true. these birds got up and it was like, I think, uh, you know, I recorded in one direction and I recorded three kills without moving my camera. <laughs> 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 so I, uh, I remember being like, man, there's a lot of birds going down right now. <laughs> yeah, the whole truck covey thing, that was kind of new to me. I hadn't... Uh, I hadn't experienced that much, but both uh, Matt Seidel of Onyx and Brandon Moss were like, no, it's real. The the, the truck covey is real. And yeah, sure enough, we had a couple times where as soon as we, uh, as soon as we put dogs down, we, we got birds up and, and it was even to the point where I think Matt was like, we should just move the trucks now. Cause we're not going to see anything else. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it made it easier when we planted those sage grouse with giant catapults. <laughs> yeah. Where'd you, where'd you get those again, Chet? <laughs> where did I get those ten raised stage grouse? Yeah, and uh, and I mean, goodness, we had to put them on giant trampolines to to get them to they wouldn't fit in the little bird launchers. It was just it was, it was a nightmare. <laughs> That's in line with my standard rough grouse society employee question. Anytime I go out hunting with a rough grouse society employee, I ask them where the rough grouse stocking sites are. <laughs> <laughs> where do they pull the semi and the at two a.m. and Offload the, the birds. That's what I want to know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, hey, being from New England, they have to make laws that you can't shoot the pheasant getting thrown off the back of the truck. I mean, that's how crazy <laughs> out there. I mean, mind you, we, you know, mind you, our, no. you know, just don't have the habitat or the weather to support pheasant, you know, so it's just sure. not a thing. But, um, you know, I'm not no, trying my, to doubt it at all. It's just out here. It's a little. Well, no, I, I mean, literally, as, as AJ and I were driving in Idaho to go quail hunting, like, he literally just saw some pheasants in the middle of the field, and he was like, I've never seen pheasants in the middle of the field before. That like, oh, no, wild pheasants, period. Wild I bird. lost my mind. I was, I was a little blown away by it. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, because it's like, I don't know. I mean, I know people say that you can you know, distinctively tell the difference between, you know, a farm-raised bird and a, and a wild bird. And, I mean, I, I don't think by passing by in a truck um, I could distinguish that, but I will say that there was just a fundamentally different feeling going on, um, you know, to just, yeah. you know, it was like five or six birds, and I just distinctively remember this, you know, one rooster that had just the perfect side profile, and I remember him just looking... Um, Oh man, almost like like a project up edited film where it's like <laughs> that perfect kind of smokiness of color going across. And I was just like, <laughs> I was like, man, that was pretty incredible. And it's actually funny. I was on the phone with uh, Matt Solberg earlier today, and we were discussing a, a pheasant hunt that um, I couldn't make it to um, up in, I believe, South Dakota because um, I will be chasing Bob White instead. Um, 
And I expressed to him, I would disappoint that I was. I was like, listen, like, I'm stoked to go hunt Bob White, don't get me wrong, but I feel like wild pheasant is just number one on my list right now. Because um, it's just, I, I just don't feel, uh, like, I, I just, I want to appreciate what is, you know, I, ironically is an imported bird at the American Classic, you know, so um, I, I just, I got to do it. I got to do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. They are unchecked in my checklist of upland game birds. So I got to do that too. Wild, wild pheasant. I've been talking to a few people this year. I'm thinking maybe it'll happen late season. We'll see. But I won't say case closed, but we can say controversy addressed. And I think we <laughs> did it. We did it in a fun way. And I, and I think ultimately we didn't bring it up to, uh, expose or point fingers at anybody. But when, I guess we just did it to sort of highlight that, you know, people, uh, people watch Project Upland films and, and they scrutinize things like they scrutinize anything else in today's world and society. And I think the three of us, we certainly pay attention to that and we're always trying to, always trying to put better stuff out there. But the reality of, of that situation was that was a real hunt on wild birds and you got what you got, right, Chet? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, you know, and again, like I said, I mean, AJ said it, like, it's, it's flattering. And, like, I, and it just shows, again, like, that's what's so great about the community is, like, like people care about this stuff. Like, it, like, it matters deeply to them. And, like, you can't ask for more than that. That, that and, like, it matters, it matters that much to us. So we're, and like, I, and, like, and I think in defense of, of, of all chucker hunters in the world, um, it's necessary that, um, you know, this film is answered with um, a chucker film that's with somebody that that's their bread and butter. Yeah. Um, you, you know, I, I think that that's kind of a necessary thing. Um, you know, Anthony was, you know, an import himself in that situation, um, which is cool because that's, again, another part of our community is going and kind of chasing that DIY aspect of being able to actually drive up somewhere and hunt trucker and, and not know anything about it and, you know, kind of get beaten down. That, that's one story. But there is also the story of the of the hunters out there that have been chasing trucker since kids or maybe it's the bird that they, you know, became a hunter on or yep. or whatever it might be. And, and um, it's, it's not um, too unreal to say that in the near future we'll um, start to put that together and, and make that. Oh yeah. Um, need that representation. Real, the real devil bird representation. <laughs> That's right. And, and, and frankly, you know, like the, um, you know, there's, we do what, you know, anywhere from eight to 12 films a year. And it's like, there are, there are thousands of stories to tell. And so, oh you know, God, it's just yeah. kind of like, if people knew how many good stories we actually get pitched and it's like chet will tell you like my personal skills are like subpar i'm really good i'm really poor at human interaction sometimes and it's like <laughs> i get like genuinely overwhelmed by people reaching out and me being like well what do i say you know like like i mean we can't do them all you know and it's like i mean unfortunately kind of the go-to is, is, uh, no response, which <laughs> that's not correct. I don't know, Chad, you correct me. You're, you're better at that than me. But the reality is, is that, yeah, if, if we're pitched 50 to a hundred good stories, there's only eight to 12 that make it through the cut in a year. Um, and you, you know, it's like the even crazier reality is that upland hunting is growing. Um, 
I think the rest yeah. of the hunting community is experiencing the sharp decline and we're kind of experiencing a golden age. So it's like, you know, it's not like I got 50 stories pitched and those are the only 50 stories for the next five years. It's like, I got pitched 50 good stories this year and I'm gonna get another 50 pitched to me next year. And I still haven't cut through the first 50, you know? So it's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. a tough thing to choose. It's a tough thing to say, you know, what is it? And, and, you know, it, it can't always be as extreme as a snowcock and, um, sometimes it just needs to be as fundamental as something like Timber Rocket or these stories that are just the core of, of kind of, um, what's in kind of uh, just walk out your back door and get it done. And, and because at the end of the day, that story resonates with us harder than anything else. Um, and that, sure. that's important. You know, I mean, um, I got out yesterday for the first time this season with my dog, um, cause he unfortunately couldn't come out to Montana. I just don't feel comfortable putting him on a plane just because, uh, you know, he's a family member and my son before he's a bird dog. So <laughs> I just, <laughs> I don't feel comfortable doing it and, um, neither does my wife. And so he didn't come. And then, you know, I, I, I got home opening day. I was on another film shoot that wasn't even related to hunting for two days. And then I got the season opening on October 1st. I got home. Um, the night of the second and the morning of the third, um, yep, we went bird hunting right up the road to a woodcock cover that I knew I had. And, uh, first bird he pointed, I, I somehow hit it, um, in the, the very thick cover we still have because the foliage isn't falling at all. It's still pretty green around here. And, uh, the rest of the day was downhill, but you know, the story can actually end right there. If we're going to shoot a film, we're going to end the story right there. We're not going to tell the part where I missed other birds and listen to grouse flush at 60, 70 yards that I never saw, but, um, it, it was a, it was a good day. So, um, but that story, you know, the story of being able to come home and, and, and go to a cover that's a, you know, less than a mile from your house and, um, have a bird pointed or flushed from a flushing dog or no dog at all. Um, your, as I call it, comfort food, that's, that's the story that's going to make you feel. That's the story that's going to, that's going to, you know, tweak that little emotion that pushes you over the edge. And that's what we want to do because that's a real story. That's, that's fundamentally who we are. Um, and our community is full of that from all different, again, you have the trucker hunter that that's their bread and butter, you know, woodcock and grouse are me and Nick's and, you know, uh, Chet, you live in a world where it's, it's, uh, California quail, which is an amazing bird. Uh, um, I mean, dude, they're so tasty too. I would just be like, I'd be, I couldn't stop myself from hunting those things every day. And, um, <laughs> well, we're going tomorrow. Yeah. So <laughs> oh, perfect. I'll, I'll, and, I'll, and, I'll, and you guys have I'll, rough grouse and, and, um, and dusky grouse, yeah. I believe, right? Yeah. Yep, yep, so, yep. which I didn't get a chance to hunt dusky grouse, which we kind of tossed the coin up in the air what we were doing, quail or dusky grouse, and, and I well, no, quail. Well, there's even a, a more pathetic, you know, part of this story is that, that we literally, we were um, coming back from the Montana hunt, and it was like, oh, man, we got so much work to do <laughs> <laughs> because we were because we were like out of pocket for five days. They're like, we got so much work to do. And so I was like, oh, let's just, let's just hunt the morning real quick, and then we'll We'll like hammer it after, you know, like around lunchtime. So of course, like we go out and we're, and then Adrian's like, well, you know, maybe we'll do like a little bit of time, you know, and quail, then we'll run over to the duskies and this and that. And I was like, well, I don't know if I have enough time for that. Like we should be really responsible. So we go out hunting and literally it's like three o'clock and we're like, we should probably stop now. <laughs> you know, I literally blew, blew the entire day chasing quail around. And I think well. we, we shot, 
mean, we shot an entire box of shells between the two of us. Like, and and just, here's, here's the kicker, Nick. You know how many birds we got? One. Oh, sorry, I wasn't going to say this part. The, the reason, so the whole the whole kind of hidden piece to the story here is that we probably <laughs> would have made it back and done some work and maybe achieved some adulthood in our lives that day had it not taken an entire box of shells for me to kill one bird. <laughs> <laughs> one, and remember, he was shooting a single shot. That was one at a time. <laughs> That's a lot of bird action. It, that, that was that was a box of shells between the two of us. So, But I would I was, say in Chef's defense, I would, I would, I would say that I, I would, shot most of the box. <laughs> yeah, well, I was shooting I was shooting it over-under, so, you know, it was, I was doing two shells for every one of his, too. So, but, you know. We had, a, we had a young dog who was pushing, blues bumping birds, and, you know, you know, all the excuses, you know. Hey, in you know, her defense, <laughs> she pointed the bird that I shot. That's right. She, that's she right. didn't she hold point. point. She pointed, gave me enough time to get that hammer back <laughs> 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 for me to do something was up, and it all kind of happened fast, but, um, yeah. yeah, it was funny because, uh, again, that was, uh, like, it, it was kind of wild because... I shot the first bird that got up and I hit it and bird went down. And I, at that point now, you know, half a box of shells through, you're getting pretty quick at reloading the single shot. So <laughs> no more birds are coming. So, 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 I mean, I, I snap that barrel open and I throw another round in and I snap it shut. And I swear as that barrel snapped shut, I mean, this covey just blew up in front of me. <laughs> and like, And I just, I lifted that gun and just shot. And, you know, like, I remember just thinking, I couldn't have missed this shot if I tried. <laughs> and, I <missed. laughs> and I was just like, I don't get it. I just, like, it just blew my mind. I was like, I just don't understand what just happened. Like, this is just a straight mind fuck. <laughs> it's called Covey Panic. Covey Panic. Covey Panic. Covey Panic's an amazing feeling, though, I will say. Yeah, so, yeah, you almost welcome it. You welcome it. Yeah. No, the first cut of the season, it's just like, it's so thrilling that you're just like, it doesn't even matter if I don't hit a bird. It's just like, I, that I rush feel, is ridiculous. I feel like when I hunt Bob White, I'm now more mentally prepared for my first cut rise panic mess. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and be like, I rehearsed this mess already. <laughs> well, that is excellent stuff, guys. Uh, I, we got a few more things to chat about. Um, we, you touched on it a little bit there with kind of talking about how everybody has a story and I kind of want to meld these last two together and that being the future of Project Upland and Project Upland's involvement with the R3 initiative, which is recruit, retain, and reactivate, right, AJ? Yep. Okay. So why don't you start and just talk a little bit about, you know, we, we've touched on a lot of the things, a lot of what is driving Project Upland right now, what's ahead being the magazine, the films, the diversity of the content. We've really talked a lot about the future of Project Upland, but spike off a little bit on the R3 initiative and sort of the interesting thing that's happening right now with overall Hunter Numbers declining basically across the board yet there's a little bit of traction in the upland hunting community i mean yeah i i um, stop me if i get in a rabbit hole here chat stop it if it happens um we've been uh, 
<laughs> we've been traveling a lot. Um, we first got invited down to the R3 Symposium, which was hosted by the Council of Advanced Hunting and Shooting Sports, um, to speak about um, R3. Um, so Project Upland um, has kind of been a, a petri dish of um, hunter recruitment more by uh, accident than anything else. Um, we actually, our survey that a lot of people I'm sure in our audience participated in um, showed that 30% of our audience was first-generation hunters, meaning that their father or mother did not hunt, um, which is significantly higher than um, most platforms out there for hunting right now. Um, and that kind of got us enough street cred to start talking to people that, um, you know, we're, I, I would be a liar if I didn't say that Project Upland, Northwoods Collective, we're industry outsiders. Um, none of us are from the industry. Um, it hasn't been a welcoming road. Um, lately it has been, but it never started that way. Um, so the fact that the platform was succeeding in that aspect it gave us enough street credit to get in with the council and to start talking about that stuff. And um, the community has really uh, welcomed us with open arms, especially um, government agencies, nonprofits. Um, we've worked with, uh, you know, we've spoken essentially in front of all 50 states now, um, the federal government, um, about hunter recruitment and how to bring more people into it um, and just kind of that whole aspect. Um, you know, and our, our big thing has been, um, you know, uh, the first fundamental thing we failed in is, is inspiring people to just want to hunt. And Project Upland just made films to inspire people, and that was it. And it was funny, when I first heard about R3, um, which was from our uh, director of R3, uh, Jesse St. Andre, um, he's a good friend of mine, and um, this is before he worked for us, and he said to me, oh man, you know, you guys are crushing the R3 scene. And I, I literally looked at him and I was like, what the fuck is R3? I had no idea what it was. No idea what recruit, retain, reactivate was a thing um, in the hunting community. So... Um, that's what happened. And, 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 you know, we're a bit of a millennial platform. We've kind of, uh, gained that stigma, I guess you could say. Um, cause the reality is there's nothing about our platform that's millennial only. Um, there's plenty of people in all different demographics that are interested, but our strongest showing is in millennial demographics, um, which the rest of the hunting industry is struggling in. Um, and, um, that's kind of shown and it's grown. And now the vision of the brand has kind of taken, you know, of course, the magazine, the film editorial will stay the way everybody kind of expects it, which is these inspiring stories and these getting out there. But we're um, starting to build um, kind of a knowledge base of information. So we hope eventually that somebody can go to ProjectUpland.com and find an article about anything they can possibly think of, whether they're learning to hunt their first California quail or a woodcock or a pheasant, whatever it might be, or train their first bird dog or hunt birds without a dog, um, whatever it might be, and be able to find all that knowledge inside of our camp. Um, and that's become a huge focus of our brand um, and an important focus because um, the reality is, is that if hunting fails, or rather the North American model of conservation because of the decline of hunters, um, our children might not have this. Our grandchildren might not have this. We might not have this. Um, I know that's a doom and gloom thing, and especially if you hang out with more classic demographics of uh, the hunting industry people, they're like, you know, crying and screaming and think the world like 
you know, the sky is falling. Um, our brand's growing, you know. Um, the reason why we launched the magazine is because the irony of the situation is that millennials read more than any other generation in history um, and prefer to read paper over anything else, but yet most hunting magazines are failing right now. Um, that's why we started the magazine, because millennials love to read, and we're a millennial platform, and turns out that people want to read our magazine. Well, I hope they do, at least. Um, <laughs> at least the subscription numbers have been strong enough to make me continue to think that. So, um, you know, early, so, early. yeah, so, so, so that's, um, that's kind of how it's all come about. Um, we'll be speaking at more events, doing more things. We're doing more studies. We're doing a study right now at the Rough Grouse Society, um, um, to learn a little more about their audience and try to hopefully expand their vision. Um, and we're talking about, and this is very much in the infant stages, so don't expect to turn on your computer or open your cell phone in the morning and see it on Instagram, um, but we're talking about a program called Becoming a Wing Shooter, um, which is going to be a combination of this knowledge base and mentoring, um, where we are going to call upon the Project Upland community to um, mentor people to become bird hunters. Um, and that's obviously a lot of moving parts. Um, a lot of resources are going to have to be pulled for it. So it's going to be a bit of a slow process for us to get there, but, um, I have no doubt that we will. And I have no doubt that the community will rally around it because ultimately this is not us. This is all of us, you know, um, it's not just about project upland. Um, and I think feel like since in, in Nick, I think you're even, more versed on this than, than I would be because I live under a rock a bit sometimes. Um, I feel like the community has really rallied and grown and become closer and closer over the past few years. And I, and I think because of that closeness that I think the community can pull it off. Um, and one of the things I'd like to point out, and as an upland hunter, I would say you should take pride in it, but something you should um, consider when talking about hunter recruitment is that today in 2018, there's twice as many big game hunters as there are small game hunters in the peak of hunter numbers in the eighties. Um, there was twice as many small game hunters as there were big game hunters. And fundamentally the problem that we've created is an industry that is upselling big game hunters to super hunters or what I call the super hunter syndrome. And that has alienated people or scared people away from becoming hunter and is also given a very poor perception outwardly um, to the non-hunting public about what hunting is. Um, and it's our hope that small game hunting continues to grow like it is right now for upland hunting and that we reverse the tides um for, and i'm not saying uplands better than big game or anything like that but for the sake of the future of hunting we're hoping that small game takes back its rightful place as kind of the fundamental beginning of everybody or for some of us the end i mean i started as a big game hunter i i deer hunting was my thing i wrote a book about deer hunting um but i i just want to bird hunt so it can be your beginning, it can be your end, it can be your in-between, <laughs> but fundamentally for people getting into it, upland hunting is a repeatable activity, as where deer hunting or elk hunting or bear hunting or whatever it might be is not as repeatable. So by us mentoring people or reaching out to people or making upland hunting more popular um, and inspiring people and putting films out there, um, we're making it more accessible to people who are not hunters. And we're converting people. And that sounds a little bit cultish, but <laughs> so so that's <laughs> before I get down any more rab a rabbit hole on any of this. Yeah. Go on. I do hour long speeches, and this we're just going to cut this off right now. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, the, the, and let me just piggyback. If my if my buddy Stan would have invited me to go deer hunting, I don't think I would have. You know, I mean, I just think that that was that would have been it would it it, it felt and it still feels very very um, very big, very very challenging. Like I need all this gear, I need all this. You know, like whereas he just said, you know, you got a hunting license and you got a shotgun, like and and some blaze orange and just show up, right? So I think that. The accessibility is a, such a huge, huge component to this, and I said I don't know if I would be a hunter today if, if someone tried to start me on whitetail. You know what I mean? It's just it's just completely different, at least for me. You know, and again, that's, that's do you still own that shotgun? I do. Actually, I meant how, to show it to you when you were at my house, but I how come I was shooting the hammered hammered single single <laughs> shot? <laughs> Hartley's trying to tell me that it's time to wrap this up, guys. So we will do that. <laughs> we will do that shortly. But that was very well put, AJ. I man, you hit on you hit on a lot of really great stuff there. I hope people listen to that and sort of take take a lot of that in because there are some wow factors in there, at least for me. Uh, but obviously, I'm kind of a nerd about this stuff, as you guys tend to be. Um, and that's that's actually one thing that I sometimes I worry about it because, or at least. I almost want to get like a second opinion because I'm so invested and so deep into the upland hunting community that I I have faith and I absolutely believe that what's happening right now is great and is growing and is developing mainly because of the connections and the friendships that I've developed with people in the upland hunting community. We had nothing in common but upland hunting. I mean, some of those friendships and connections that I've made are just, I mean, they, they'll, they could absolutely last a lifetime and I have every reason to believe that they will. So that's huge. But then, you know, you get, you get in the day to day grind and you sort of step outside of that world and maybe it's the off season and you just, sometimes I look around at the rest of the world and I just think like, nobody cares about upland. Like these people don't care about upland hunting. Like, am I, am I living a lie or like, am I in a fantasy or, you know, can we, can we really make this last? And obviously I hope it's the latter. Yeah. I I think, you know, again, I, I kind of used to it a little earlier. There's a lot of doom and gloom, especially for industry people. Um, but I mean, Project Upland is experience, you know, experiencing full on growth. Um, and I know organizations like the Rough Grouse Society, are experiencing growth right now, yeah. um, and it's growth with millennials. Um, and I'm sure Pheasants Forever is probably experiencing the same thing. Um, I hope they are, you know. And yep. um, the that reality um, is great because because at the end of the day, it is it's it's not going to be deer hunting that saves the day, even though that deer hunting represents the largest piece of the hunting industry. Um, it, it's it's you know it's it's. I feel bad saying it in a way because it's where I started, but you know, we have our, we have the, so I wrote the book urban deer complex and urban deer complex 2.0 comes out in about a month. Um, and I, I collaborated it with somebody else cause I felt it was necessary to pass the torch because I just don't get out deer hunting like I used to cause it just doesn't click for me. But we created a toxic environment around whitetail hunting and that toxic environment, the outward perception of it has hurt hunting so much. I mean, 
when when you hear somebody talk about hunting that's not a hunter they have some trophy um opinion of it and rightfully so because everybody's big buck obsessed and you know everybody's like well but we eat it and it's like you can say that all day it is just not the outward perception when you are obsessed over antlers or as um um how does uh uh oh man i'm trying to think of how he puts it the antler delivery system yeah yeah andrew mckean yeah andrew mckean calls it that Dear the antler delivery system. <laughs> we, me and Chet just did a speech with him down in Tampa um, with AFWA, which is the Association of Fish and Wildlife. Um, and, and uh, you know, he's got some comical stuff to say. He calls himself Patient Zero, um, which which is pretty interesting, um, being the former editor of Outdoor Life. Um, but he will advocate out the gate that um, small game hunting is is what's going to save the future of hunting. Um, and I just hope that other people see that and they don't put up their noses to it and, um, you know, kind of think of it as a poor, poor thing. Um, cause it, it's, it's, it's a pretty incredible, uh, pursuit. I don't want to call it a sport because, uh, again, getting on that outward perception, the word sport is a poisonous word. Um, cause you're killing something. I don't care how you put it. You're not harvesting it. You're killing it. Like, that's, it's, it's pretty black and white. And the, the rest of the world doesn't want you to try to put it lightly to them. You're killing it. Eat it. <laughs> yep. Make it, make that thing's life worthwhile. So I'm guilty of that. I say the word harvest and I always, I almost cringe when I say it. Because, well, uh, dude, I say sport all the time. <laughs> I'm like, the biggest advocate not using the word sport and I'm always correcting myself. Yeah. I actually just sent this, uh, long winded message for, issue zero about removing the word sport everywhere in the magazine. Yeah. I believe it only occurred twice <laughs> from what I caught, but um, that is an important point is that outward perception. I want to know that if somebody who's not a bird hunter picks up that magazine and looks at it, that they don't think that uh, we're using the terminology sport when we're killing something or we're using the term harvest when we're killing something. Yeah. It's just is what it is. There's no reason to, try to soften the blow in fact softening the blow is there's nothing authentic about it and in 2018 authenticity sells so when you say i kill it and i eat it and that's what i do people are going to bode with that way better than if you say well you know this sporting thing i do that i've harvested is a correct blah blah like people like they see right through the fucking horse shit so it's just you're killing something you're eating it period that's what it is you're uh, you're a mammal too (laughs) there you go well, that's excellent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're out of there now. But I'm glad we went in there. I really am, and I, I hope that listeners appreciate it. And like I said, picked up a little bit at least. They have a better understanding of the people behind Project Upland, the motives, the drive, the passions, and what it's what we're moving towards with Project Upland and, and Northwoods Collective. I hope this episode. Did that. Let's end on a little bit of a fun note. Chet, uh, any concluding thoughts, closers? And on top of that, what's the rest of your fall look like, buddy? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not the thought guy, but um, <laughs> my, the, the, rest of my, the rest of my fall, uh, I will be chasing pheasants in Kansas, I believe, um, next month. I, actually, my brother is coming to visit me from California with his wife and kids um, in about two weeks, and he asked me to take him hunting. He doesn't have a hunting license, but he wants to go see what this is all about. And so pretty stoked on doing that and, um, and 
My my son, who's nine, uh, is literally counting down the days so he can get his hunting license when he's ten in Idaho. And uh, so yeah, that's kind of the that's on the horizon for me. So getting you know, I, actually, I'm also committed to um, to getting whatever whatever bird that my dog first points and I shoot over her, you know, and it's a firm, solid point, doesn't bump or anything like that, then I'm actually going to get it mounted. And so awesome. I'm hoping it's a pheasant because it'll look better mounted, but it might be a quail because <laughs> quail season is, you know, I, <laughs> pheasant doesn't open for two more weeks here. So what if it's anyhow, a meadowlark? Kind of a, what's that? What if it's a meadowlark? <laughs> that, that <laughs> happened multiple times for us. <laughs> I, I could have shot no, a no. lot of meadowlarks at Hartley Point, and I can tell you that. <laughs> oh, that's right, and, and, and uh, yeah, you saw you saw Pearl, my dog, chasing meadow larks all across the stage for us. That was she's having more fun doing that than trying to find sharp tails. So that was okay. But um, but yeah, no, that's 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 one hundred percent. You know, I, I'm super stoked to get my get my son. He already comes with me. You know, whenever I'm on the weekends, and so he's out in school. Um, you know, he'll I call him my flushing dog. So you know, I'll send him in there to flush birds. And uh, and sometimes retrieve them, depending, because uh, my buddy has with Brittany's, and you know Brittany's, they don't really retrieve. Right? <laughs> I just don't know. <laughs> There's some Brittany guys just right absolutely there. cringing right now. I'm sure, but <laughs> <laughs> I know. Actually, I was talking to one earlier today, and I was like, and I, and I told him that too, and he was like, oh, he's like, oh, that's just a poorly bred Brittany. And like, <laughs> so I just kind of like. I, I, I just say a Britney's a Britney's retrieve means that they're going to drop it within ten feet of you. I got the solid retrieve from Britney. Oh. <laughs> 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 no. Yeah. Yep. No, no. I and, and obviously, like I'm, I'm completely, you know, being facetious. Like I actually, the guy that took me hunting has two Britneys, and they're phenomenal dogs. So, so I just, you know, like to bust people's chops a little bit about it. But absolutely, can't wait to get my kid. Can't wait to get my kid out there. Can't wait to get with a gun in his hands. Can't wait to get my, my, my brother out. You know, can't wait to go chase pheasants in another state. And, uh, then I'll actually, then I'll be down for that four species quail hunt in Arizona in December, um, uh, with Pat Flanagan border to border. So super fired up about that. And, um, yeah, I just, uh, looking forward to a great season. Hopefully, you know, get a lot of birds. Good deal. I talked to the, I talked to Mr. Flanagan yesterday. He's, uh, he's got a, he's got a busy season ahead of him up here in Minnesota. Maybe, uh, I might bump into him this weekend, but I know he's looking forward to that in AZ. But you are eating, breathing, and sleeping the R3 movement. I love it, Chet. And, uh, I wish you the best in your hunting season. AJ, con- conclusions, final thoughts. What do you want to leave yeah. the Project Upland Thank audience you. with? Thank you to you, Nick. Um, you have brought this brand to the next level and both <laughs> me, Chet, and the community are thankful for that. Um, and you continue to be one hell of a steward of the community. Um, and for that, thank you. Um, I thank can't you, express buddy. that enough on the one year anniversary. And I'm sure that this is going to get uh, cooler and crazier. And some people will come back on the podcast and new people will come on and I'm sure it's going to continue to grow. So Thank you for that. Um, rest of my year is, um, let's see, uh, Tuesday I'll be heading out towards your neck of the woods. I'm um, going to be in Minnesota shooting a sharp tail grouse film and then shooting a film with AYA, um, the Spanish gun maker, um, in Minnesota. Um, and then from there I'll be heading home. In November I'll be shooting a film 
Um, oh, actually, before that, I'll be shooting a film with CZ up in my home state in New Hampshire, um, which I'm pretty excited about, going back to my stomping grounds up in northern New Hampshire, which I was up there this week, and there's so many grouse. I can't wait to get up there with my dog. Um, and uh, November, I'm going to be down in Virginia shooting that Bob White film. I'm pretty stoked about that. I, I tagged on two days to the trip to hopefully get to hunt myself um, with my dog. Um, Grim has no idea where the quail is. Um, he will now. <laughs> and then in December, um, sounds like I might be heading over to Spain uh, to the AYA factory um, to shoot another film over there. And then uh, January, um, we'll be heading to Texas, I believe. Um, and that's about it. Um, I'm hoping to get more time hunting at home. Honestly, I'm definitely excited to to get out places, but I, I do get I do get homesick pretty easy. That's a confession. <laughs> um, so um, it will be nice to kind of get home and be with the family and get to hunt uh, kind of my own my own haunts, you know. So that's what I got going on. And thank you to the audience or. I, I don't even want to say audience. I want to say community um, yeah. for accepting Project Upland, um, for making Project Upland what it is. Um, this brand got out of hand, so much out of hand that it's the cultures now. It's not. It's not mine. It's not Chet's. It's not Northwoods Collective. It's the community, and we rely on what the community loves and wants, and we listen, and we try to continue to divert to that. And we will not become an advertorial, um, and we will always be about the community first. Um, and I thank everybody for accepting us and giving us the opportunity to do that. And I will make sure that this brand never forgets that. Awesome, buddy. Well said. And thank you, AJ and Chet, for the opportunity to do this. It's been an absolute blast. It's been one year. First of uh, many, we'll keep this thing going. And as you said, AJ, thank you to the listener, reader, viewer, follower of Project Upland, Northwoods Collective, the whole community. We appreciate all of you. We hope that you continue to listen, support, and give us, most importantly, give us your feedback, thoughts, suggestions. We appreciate it. That's all I got, boys. Thanks for joining me. This was a blast. We'll be in touch. You guys have a great night. You too, Nick. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, See you guys. Man. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. You've been listening to the Project Upland podcast. We'd like to thank all of our partners on the podcast as they help bring you the listener each and every episode pine ridge grouse camp onyx maps and Gumleaf boots please check out their websites check out their operations and support them as they continue to support the project upland podcast head over to projectupland.com for more great stuff videos articles from project upland and northwoods collective check it out there at projectupland.com Don't forget, you could be next week's winner of the Project Up and Podcast giveaway. All you've got to do is make a meaningful contribution to this show by doing any and or all of these things. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Subscribe to the podcast. Hit that little subscribe button. Share the podcast post. And please reach out to us. Send us your feedback, your thoughts on the show, and your suggestions for future episodes. I'm an Upland hunter. I love to hear from other Upland hunters. Tell me your story. Reach out to me. Use the contact form at the Project Upland website or send me an email directly at nick.larson at northwoodscollective.com. That's it for this week, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode.
Onyx Hunt is the number one hunting GPS app. Join millions of other hunters who trust Onyx Hunt to find more game, discover new access, and hunt smarter. Onyx Hunt shows you nationwide public and private land boundaries. They've got topographic and 3D maps. You can track your route, location, and elevation profile. You can save maps for offline use and take Onyx Hunt with you wherever you go. The most comprehensive hunting tool you'll own Download the Onyx Hunt app today and use the promo code BSP20 to save 20% on your next Onyx Hunt subscription. Know where you stand with Onyx. Hey everyone, this is Nick from the Gundog It Yourself podcast. If you enjoyed this show, then you might want to check out my show as well. We highlight and break down the ins and outs of training your own hunting dog. Whether it's a bird dog or even the occasional hound dog episode, we cover all topics related to hunting dogs. Check out Gundog It Yourself on any podcast streaming platform and hit the subscribe button to be sure not to miss any future episodes.